Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 78. It is Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and just reboot, that fixes everything. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. All right, happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. Before we jump into the news, if you could like, share, comment, review, whatever it is you do on your podcast platform, we would greatly appreciate that. We do host this on Anchor, so you can hop over to Anchor and, and leave us a review there or any major podcast platform. Share it out so that people become aware of it and they get the news you're getting. Also, if you are in a HIPAA-compliant business, please go to Facebook, type in Get HIPAA Compliance, and join that group because we share lots of good HIPAA information there, including a little bit I'll share with you today. Um, So that is actually the first thing I'm sharing with you. HHS finalizes interoperability rules, seven things to know, and this is on beckershospitalreview.com. The information was taken from a few different sources. So HHS on March 9th which is yesterday, finalized two interoperability rules that give patients secure and free access to their health data. So that is good news. The two rules issued by ONC and CMS support the My Health eData initiative and the 21st Century Cures Act. Click, um, there's a link to the timeline for this, which was first um, proposed in February of 2019. So almost a little over a year, actually. So seven things to know about the finalized rules. First, Number one, the ONC final rule pinpoints necessary activities that do not constitute information blocking and establishes new regulations to prevent information blocking practices by providers, health IT developers, health information exchanges, and health information networks. Number two, under ONC's new rule, EHR users will be able to share health records data in formats such as screenshots or video. The rule outlines new provisions for health IT developers to ensure that providers using their products can communicate about health IT usability, user experience, interoperability, and security using visual methods. Number three, ONC's final rule also requires EHRs to provide necessary clinical data, include data classes to promote new businesses models, business models of care. The rule supports the advancement of common data through the U.S. core data for interoperability which is a standardized set of health data classes and data elements used for nationwide health information exchange. Number four, ONC's final rule also establishes standardized application programming interface requirements to support patients' free access and control of their electronic health data via smartphone app of their choice. And a comment here by HHS Secretary Alex M. Azar, President Trump is delivering on his vision for healthcare that is affordable, personalized, and puts patients in control. From the start of our efforts to put patients in value at the center of our healthcare system, we've been clear patients should have control of the records, period. Now that's becoming a reality. Number five, CMS's interoperability and patient access final rule requires Medicare Advantage, Medicaid, CHIP, and federal exchanges health plans to electronically share claims data with patients beginning January 21st of 2021. Number six, the patient access API required by CMS will allow patients to access their health data through any third-party app they pick to connect to the API and will integrate 
a health plan's information with a patient's EHR. Patients can take their health and claims data with them as they move from different health plans and providers. And number seven, under CMS's final rule, the, the agency will establish a new condition of participation for all Medicare and Medicaid participating hospitals, requiring them to send electronic notifications to other healthcare facilities or community providers when a patient is admitted, transferred, or discharged. Beginning April 1st of 2022, CMS will also require states to send enrollee data for beneficiaries enrolled in both Medicare and Medicaid. So that's some good news for patients. They'll have a little more freedom with their healthcare information. On threat post, AMD downplays CPU threat opening chips to data leak attacks. So Intel's been taking it quite a bit lately. So now it's AMD's turn. New side channel attacks have been disclosed in AMD CPUs. However, AMD said they are not that new. Said that they are not new. Okay, AMD is seeking to downplay side channel attacks that can leak potentially sensitive data from its processors released between 2011 and 2019. The takeaway attack, so-called by researchers with the Graz University of Technology, in a new analysis this weekend is a side channel attack. Side channel attacks extract sensitive information from signals created by electronic activity within computing devices as they carry out computation. There are an array of techniques to launch side channel attacks, including using cache, which, which Intel's having an issue with, branch predictors, or analog signals. In this case, take away leverages the way AMD stores memory through the L1 data, so it's very similar to the way Intel is being compromised, which refers to the data cache and pools of memory that contain the leak, leakable data within CPUs. Um, so there'll be more of that, I'm sure. Threat posts, um, I'm going to just tell you right now, we reported about a Microsoft Exchange server flaw that was patched in February with, with the uh, Patch Tuesday updates for February of 2020. It is now being exploited by advanced per persistent threats. Um, so if you have not patched, you need to patch. CISA warns, again, we've talked about this uh, quite a few times already. But CISA warns against COVID-19 cyber scams and provides security tips. So um, I'll just tell you in short, there are there are phishing emails going around claiming to be from WHO or CDC and things like that, or the FTC. Um, and avoid them. If you're not, if you didn't sign up for those mailing lists, you're not going to get email just at, at random from them. Just delete them, get rid of them, don't open them. Uh, we have on infosecurity-magazine.com, fake tech support company dupes 40,000 victims out of $8 million. Now, I, I first saw the the, t the title and I said, this has got to be old. It's not old. This is brand new, reported on Friday. A college dropout has admitted using malware and fake tech support company to con 40,000 victims out of millions of dollars. Former engineering student Amit Chowan set up a bogus technical support call center company called Tech Support in January 2019, together with his, with his accomplice and Jin resident Summit Kumar, Chauhan ran the center from the upscale Udiyog Vihar area of Gurugram, a city just southwest of New Delhi in northern India. Victims who called up the fake company for technical support were asked to go online and click on a particular pop-up. When they did, malware was activated that stole the victim's financial data. Chowan admitted to police that he and Kumar had used the fake company and malicious pop-ups to dupe over 40,000 foreign nationals out of more than uh, RS-60 crore, over 8 million USD. I guess that's their local money. 
local exchange. The pair's profitable scheme was rumbled after British victim Jim Browning outed their fake operation on YouTube. The victim uploaded a video complaint on YouTube where he described how he was duped by a call center employee, employee after he was sent a pop-up on his laptop and offered technical support to remove glitches, said Karn Goyle, assistant commissioner of police for Guru Graham's cyber crime cell. That pop-up was actually a malware sent by the call center. The accused took took handsome amounts from victims through payment gateway in the name of technical support. Acting on Browning's tip-off, Gurugram's cybercrime accelerated the premises of tech support on March 4th. A laptop owned by the accused was found to contain names, addresses, and addresses of victims. Under interrogation, Chauhan and Kumar admitted running the fake call center company since January of 2019 as a way to cheat money out of foreigners. Chauhan and Kumar have been charged under India's IT Act and are currently being held in police remand while further investigation is carried out into their alleged activities. While Chauhan may have kept his allegedly shady business dealing secret, he made no effort to hide his immense wealth. This alleged cyber criminal lived in Gurugram's Luxury Magnolia Condominium on Golf Course Road and was known locally for wearing designer clothes and driving around the city in Porsches and Jaguar SUVs. So, not smart way to spend your money, but I guess enjoy it while you have it. And it only in just over a year, $8 million. On Bleeping Computer, intricate phishing scam uses support chatbot to assist victims. An intricate phishing scam is utilizing a customer service chatbot that walks its victims through filling out the various forms so that the attackers can steal their information, credit card numbers, and bank account information. A new phishing scam that was recently found by a malware hunter team is targeting Russian victims and pretending to be a refund of of approximately $2,100 for unused internet and cellular services. What makes the phishing scam so interesting is that it utilizes a chatbot that pretends to be a customer service agent to walk the victim through a series of screens and information that they need to provide. So um, I'm sure, I know this says it's from in Russia right now, but I'm sure we'll, we will see some of that at some point here. So um, just because it looks like it's a real person doesn't mean it is. And, you know, avoid giving out information that you wouldn't normally give out. Be skeptical. On naked security by Sophos, 99% of compromised Microsoft Enterprise accounts lack multi-factor authentication. So some quick stats here, I'm just gonna skim through. Cyber criminals compromise 0.5% of all Microsoft Enterprise accounts every month because too few customers are using multi-factor authentication the company has revealed. In a presentation uploaded to YouTube from the recent RSA Security Conference, Director of Identity Security Alex Weiner said 1.2 million accounts were compromised in January 2020 alone. Of those, 99.9% were not using multi-factor authentication. Accounts lacking multi-factor authentication had two characteristics, the use of legacy protocols and a tendency by users to reuse passwords. Problem with legacy protocols, POP, SMTP, IMAP, and XML authentication is that they don't offer a mechanism to include an MFA challenge or device verification, which made passwords a single point of failure. During January, about 40%, roughly 480,000, of the compromised accounts had fallen foul to some pretty simple password spraying where attackers try to log into a large number of accounts using a small collection of statistically likely passwords. So 40% are still using simple passwords. 
According to Weiner, 99% of password spray attacks targeted legacy protocols, although only 0.5% of accounts were compromised each month. The probability of this happening rose to 7.2% for SMTP and 4.3% for IMAP. So some things to think about there as you're using legacy protocols and not using strong passwords or multi-factor authentication. Also on Naked Security, 1 billion Android smartphones racking up security flaws. So Google does not patch phones that are more than two years old in most cases. They do patch pixels for three years. Um, so that means that any Android older than a few years old is not being patched and running on outdated versions of Android and that makes them vulnerable. So there are now over a billion vulnerable Android phones out there. Only thing you can really do, well, I guess you could do two things. One would be to root it and then install a newer version, a different version of Android, I guess. The other one um, would be to buy a new phone. Now, I do have older Android phones. I don't use them for phone service, but I do use them for other reasons, and they are all rooted, and they all have custom ROMs, so... A uh, couple pieces of HIPAA news. First up, a couple of breach reports. The University of Kentucky has been battling to remove malware that was downloaded on its network in February 2020. I think we reported that. Cyber criminals gained access to the UK network, installed cryptocurrency mining malware that used the processing capabilities of UK computers to mine, UK being University of Kentucky, by the way, to mine Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The malware caused a considerable slowdown on the network with temporary failures of its computer system causing repeated delay or interruptions to day-to-day -day functions, in particular at UK Healthcare. UK believes the attack was resolved on Sunday morning after a month-long effort. On Sunday morning, UK performed a major reboot of its IT systems, a process that took around three hours. UK believes the attackers have now been removed from its systems, although they will be monitoring the network closely to ensure that external access has been blocked. The attack is believed to have originated from outside the U.S., UK Healthcare, which operates UK Albert B. Chandler Hospital and Good Samaritan Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky, serves more than 2 million patients. While computer systems were severely impacted at times, patient care was not affected and patient safety was not put at risk. An internal investigation was launched and third-party computer forensic specialists were engaged to assist with the investigation. University spokesman Jay Blanton said it's hard to determine whether any sensitive data was viewed or downloaded. The belief is that the malware attack was solely conducted to hijack the vast processing capabilities of the UK network to mine cryptocurrency. UK has taken steps to improve cybersecurity, including installing CrowdStrike security software. Uh, I don't know that I would announce that to the public because that's you, you usually avoid announcing to the world what you're using for security software or any software for that matter. More than 1.5 million has been spent ejecting the hackers from the network and bolstering security. So that's one of those things where, you know, probably not a HIPAA breach, but um, let's assume it was. Now, so you're going to get the HIPAA breach fine, settlement, whatever it works out to be. Then you have spent 1.5 million on improving your security. Then you're going to have potential lawsuits, and, it, and, and then there's going to be training. So you're spending all this money that you could have spent ahead of time anyway, and um, you wind up with a fine as well. Probably not in this case, but you get the idea. Arkansas Children's Hospital reboots systems to deal with cybersecurity threat. Arkansas Children's Hospital in Little Rock has experienced a cyber attack that has impacted Arkansas Children's Hospital in Arkansas Children's Northwest. Its IT systems have been rebooted in an attempt to deal with the cyber threat, and third-party digital forensics firm has been engaged to assist with the investigation. 
The exact nature of the threat has not yet been disclosed, and it is currently unclear when the attack will be resolved. All facilities are continuing to provide medical services to patients, but some non-urgent appointments may have to be rescheduled. All right. Um, and then finally, here's a scary statistic for you. It's another study. 53% of healthcare organizations have experienced a PHI breach in the past 12 months. So probably not all being reported, obviously. The 2019 Global State of Cybersecurity and Small and Medium-Sized Businesses report from Keeper Security shows approximately two-thirds of healthcare organizations have experienced a data breach in the past, and 53% have experienced a breach of protected health information in the last 12 months. The survey was conducted by the Poneman Institute on 2,391 IT and IT security professionals in the United States, UK, DACH, Benelux, and Scandinavia, including 219 respondents from the healthcare industry. Keeper Security Reports indicates that average healthcare data breach results in exposure of more than 7,200 confidential records, and the average cost of a healthcare data breach is $1.8 million, including the cost of disruption to normal operations. The most common causes of healthcare data breaches are phishing, which works out to 68%. I bet it's higher than that. Malware infections, 41%, and web-based attacks, 40%. Healthcare data breaches have increased considerably in the past few years, even though there is a high risk of an attack, healthcare organizations do not feel that they are well prepared. Only one third of IT and IT security professionals in the healthcare industry said that they had enough budget to mount a strong defense to prevent cyber attacks. 90% of healthcare organizations devote less than 20% of their IT budget to cybersecurity with an average allocation of just 13%. 87% said they did not have the personnel to achieve a more efficient cybersecurity posture. Even though emergency planning is a requirement of HIPAA, less than one-third of the respondents said that they plan, they they had a plan for responding to cyber attacks. Um, so that is some scary stuff, uh, and these, these surveys always make me a little nervous, but the budget is not, I, 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 when healthcare providers say they don't have the budget, and then you look at the, some of the numbers, the dollars that go in and out of these places, it's hard to believe. Um, but I digress, and that is going to do it for today's edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. Until tomorrow, stay secure.